Music, women, plucking ah. on ukuleles. Ah. In a musical comedy adventure for ears only. Two lives, true lives. Where music and comedy intertwine. Who says women can't have it all? This is Sparrow Folk. Adventures in Suburbia. All great entertainers started somewhere. Perhaps, like in our story, it was in a quiet street in an overlooked capital city. Fox, a public servant in the Commonwealth Department of Strategic Policy Strategy Policies, waited nervously outside the Cat and Cabbage, a dodgy pub with an even dodgier clientele. She warily eyed the downtrodden patrons who were deferting inside the way that rubbish diverts into the sewers when it rains. Hello. Don't mind me. You coming in, love? Oh, no, I'm just waiting for a friend. Lark, where are you? We're on in 20 minutes. We're on our way now. We'll be there in 10. Plenty of time. Plenty of time for what? Heart attacks? Lark? Mark! Sitting in the passenger seat of her husband's car, 15 minutes away, Lark ended the call and rubbed her enormous pregnant belly. Sorted. Ow! Lark's husband, oh. Magnus, took one hand off the steering wheel and felt sideways for Lark's tummy, while keeping his eyes firmly on the road. How is our little baby bug? Whew. Increasingly less like a bug and more like a thug. That was straight to the kidneys. So, an ordinary kick then? Not the Braxton and Hicks? I'm fine. I've done this twice before, remember? Yes, I do. With Michael, you went into labour up a ladder, pruning the hedge, and then... It was two weeks overdue. I had to get the little bugger out somehow. And with Elliot... You were at school assembly. I felt fine, and they were short-handed. But... Everything was fine, both times. Indeed, it had been. Michael, now six, and Elliot, four, were now strapped in the back seat, ready for bed and desperately trying to stay awake on this exciting after-dinner adventure. I know what I'm doing, OK? Fox and I are going to sing a couple of little songs and come straight home. I'm just saying, maybe it's better to put it off a few weeks. Because performing live is so much easier with a newborn. Well, when you put it like that... (sighs) Fox and I have waited ages to get a gig. It's just the way it worked out. Okay. Well, we'll be there in 12 minutes. Great. I'm going to have a nap. 12 minutes later, a frazzled fox finally saw the 2010 Honda Odyssey approaching. Oh, finally. Lark, we're on in five minutes. Hello, Foxy. Uh, Give me a hand. There we go. Hello, Fox. Lark, just the ukulele and the costume bag? Thanks, Magnus. Whoa, are you bigger since yesterday? Probably. (laughs) As Lark rearranged her clothes after her graceful exit from the car... Magnus brought her gear to the pub entrance. Now Magnus was warily eyeing the dubious patrons. Is this the, uh, right cat and cabbage? Oh, yes. It looks a bit... It's better on the inside. Lark had never actually been in the cat and cabbage. But 
Kev was the only venue proprietor she knew and thus the dice had rolled. I'll carry this in, shall I? If you watch the kids... No, we'll be fine, love. Thank you. Fox watched wistfully as Lark and Magnus kissed and hugged goodbye. Even her jangled nerves were soothed by the sight of two people so much in love. Okay, sparrow folk. Time to break a wing. Thanks, Magnus. Bye, love. Inside the cat and cabbage, in the backstage area... Which was really no more than a bunch of tea towels pegged together as a curtain at the side of the makeshift stage. Fox and Lark prepared for their big show. Fox, whose sock drawer would have put an Ikea catalogue to shame was struggling in their somewhat improvised space as she tried to change without the punters seeing through the gaps in the tea towels. Oh, uh, like I was hoping there might be a mirror or some privacy. Fox self-consciously adjusted her slinky black sequin tank top. It had Fox spelled out in hot pink across her heaving bosom. It did not seem like something a public servant in her mid-thirties should be wearing, yet it somehow made her feel a teensy bit tingly. You look fabulous, Foxy. Don't worry about it. Fox did worry about it. They'd been writing songs and singing just to each other for almost ten years. It was time. Time to shine. Lark, do you need a hand there? Fox watched with concern as Lark struggled to pull her own tank top down over her enormous belly. Just help me with my top. It, it won't quite... It fit last week. Uh, well, I was only 39 weeks pregnant then, so it probably... Oh, oh carrots. There's sequins everywhere. Just whack some gaffer tape under the rip. Nobody will notice. Oh. Lark's face suddenly twisted in pain. She pressed under her belly. Oh. Lark, are you okay? Yep. Yep, just Braxton Hicks. What happens all the time? Oh, Lark? Fox, rip... I can't believe we finally have a live gig. It's such a unique venue. How'd you find it? Kev, the seedy and slightly desperate proprietor of the Cat and Cabbage, was already regretting agreeing to let Fox and Lark anywhere near his pride and joy. But when Lark wasn't trying to be a ukulele comedy megastar, she taught 30 10-year-olds at South Dewsbury Primary School how to add, spell and not lick each other. By chance, one of those 30 little lickable learners was Kev's son, Dylan. And just a week earlier, Lark had grabbed Kev at the school gates. Give us a gig and we'll buy dinner there too. No. And we'll do the school trivia night there. No. I'll book the staff Christmas party. No. And I'll pay for an open bar. Okay. With that tough negotiation still fresh in his mind, Kev looked out over his cat and cabbage regulars. Whether silently pulling back his cheap draft, sullenly hurling darts at the wall, or absent-mindedly shredding coasters into small moist piles, he knew not one of them was there to see Sparrow Folk. He sighed, thought ahead to the potential bar tab from a pub full of depressed, tired teachers, and reluctantly tapped the microphone. Okay, your attention folks, uh, we just need to run through a few house rules before we get the show on the road. Firstly, 
the urinals. Now, we do have a strict one person at the urinal policy. All right, guys, it's not a cockfight in there, so just one person at each bowl. In a textbook and, uh, demonstration no of how not to warm up an audience, Kev continued uh, to expound bathroom etiquette. On the floor, to your own thongs, you'll get it in your toes. He did not notice the new arrival right, to the cat and cabbage. Excuse me. Sorry. Pardon me. Neville Dentata gingerly picked his way through the tables, conscious of the unpleasantly tacky way his feet were released from the psychedelic carpet with each step. Neville's demeanour was reminiscent of a nervous rabbit with an unreliable bladder trying to cross an eight-lane highway. Excuse me. Pardon me. Is this here, Jacob? Oh, this one? Neville spotted an empty seat in front of the stage. Hello. Neville. Neville Dentata's my name. Calm down, mate. Already sitting at the table was Duncan. Duncan's demeanour was reminiscent of a grinning border collie who could turn and tear someone's throat out on a whim. Neville sank into the chair and edged it as far from Duncan as possible. Backstage, Fox and Lark waited for their big moment. (gasps) Lark, are you okay? On stage, Kev wrapped up his house rules. Because it ticks the cook off no end, and last time he had to replace every single gravy boat. Now rest assured, this isn't going to go for too long. What sort of a warm-up is this? Try and behave yourselves. Duncan, I'm looking at you, mate. Yeah, righto. Sequined and sticky-taped, Sparrow Folk took deep breaths. This was their moment, their first gig. The world was their oyster. Please welcome Sparrow Folk. Here we go, Lark. Pushing aside the tea towels, Fox and Lark bounced onto the tiny stage, arms and ukuleles outstretched to the audience. Hello, Cat and Cabbage! Thank you, Kev. I'm Fox. And I'm Lark. And we're Sparrow Folk! Neville Dentata's heart began to race. Oh, Fox. Never have I seen such beauty. Fox's bosom shimmered under the pathetic single spotlight, sprinkling shards of light over Neville Dentata's face. Oh, look at those fingers strumming the fretboard. Strum. 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 Duncan, please be quiet. Strum. Strom, 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 strom! <coughs> Sorry, ladies. And so, our first number for you tonight is Doobie Doo. You're the sock in my shoe, Doobie Doo, Doobie Doo. And you're the teeth in my chew, Doobie Doo, Doobie Doo. And you're the skyscraper in my sky. Fox and Lark valiantly strutted, strummed and sung, doing their best to ignore their mostly apathetic audience. But Neville's wide-eyed staring made the rest of the crowd's indifference even worse. At the back of the room, in a dark and dank corner, music producer and promoter Giovanni Gigman downed the last of his drink and turned back to the bar. He thumped the glass down on the counter. Ever had one of those days where the headline act in the massive festival you're in charge of cancels on you at the last minute? Kev stared at Giovanni blankly from behind the bar. Of course. That's why I pull beers. Why don't you book these guys? They're hardly rocking the room. Ugh, I need a piss. Fox and Lark watched desperately as Giovanni scraped himself off his bar stool and stumbled, depressed, off to the gents. You're the salt in my tears to be doo do Oh, be these chicks are shit. You're Stunk the wax. Quiet. Your shit. 
Suddenly, Lark doubled over, clasping her stomach. See? Can't take criticism. Unprofessional. Lark, are you in labour? Should we stop? No, this is showbiz. But maybe um, play a little bit faster. You're the jam in my toes. Doobie-doo, doobie-doo. And you're the snot in my nose. The audience, who previously couldn't care less about doobies or doos, suddenly couldn't take their eyes off the action. Fox sang desperately, wide-eyed and terrified. Lark alternated between frantic strumming and clawing at her stomach. The ukulele clattered to the stage floor as Lark braced her hands on her knees and rocked from side to side. It's hard to describe the reaction from a room of half-pissed, depressed men to a pint of amniotic fluid falling out of a vagina onto the floor. First, there's the splashing noise, which attracts attention, mostly because there's confusion as to how there can be liquid on the floor without glass breaking. Second, there's the horrified gasps of the men who find themselves in what could be described as the blast zone, who have just experienced amniotic fluid on their face for what we can only assume is the second time in their lives. Jesus Christ! Thirdly, there's the compassionate sound of men supporting each other in times of crises, which typically starts with... Yeah, come on! And ends with... (laughs) (laughs) Which was not what Giovanni Gidman expected to hear as he finished what might have been the world's longest week. What the? Back on stage, only two people were showing any concern whatsoever. Neville. Oh, is, is that what I think it is? Shouldn't somebody? And Fox. What do we do, Lark? Keep going. You're the jam in my Lark's sodden knickers had started crawling down her thighs. Never the professional, Lark wriggled them down to her ankles, stepped out of them and kicked them sideways into the tea towel curtains. Performance art bullshit. Uh, Should I call an ambulance? Uh, I know what I'm doing. Uh, It's my third kid. (sighs) Keep singing. Do it. (sighs) How many late night uh, writing sessions and shitty day jobs uh, have we worked so we could become uh, them? Sort of. In front of an audience. Sort of. And we're going to see. You're having a baby. You shouldn't be singing, especially not on stage at this crappy pub. Shut up, Duncan. You need to stop now. It's called striking a work-life balance. Do be You better have a look. Down there. At your, at your that? Yes! Lark grasped the mic stand and leaned forward, putting her weight onto it. Fox gingerly flipped up Lark's skirt and peered closely. Is it supposed to look like that? Just turn it to the spotlight so I can see properly. Oh, 
was at this point that Giovanni, still shaking it off, started to really feel like he might be missing out. What is going on out there? Giovanni yanked up his fly, but in the rush, the metal teeth of the zip interlocked in a way that could only be described as aggressively anti-knob. On stage, Fox and Lark were truly the focus of attention. Lark was now on her hands and knees, facing the back of the stage and rocking from side to side, growling through every contraction. Fox kneeled behind her, gazing in wonderment at the stretched and swollen marvel that is a vagina in full battle mode. So beautiful! The audience, with Neville front and centre, hauled in behind Fox, like a rugby scrum waiting for the ball to be passed. But there does seem to be some pressure. Fucking cramming, Fox! Actually, that's a lot of pressure! Jesus Christ! It was not, in fact, Jesus Christ. It's a girl! (laughs) Lark flopped onto her back and chanted with relief. Fox gathered up the baby and stared at her in wonder. Her small, dark eyes gazed into Fox's soul, wise, knowing and calm. For Neville Dentata, it was the sexiest thing he'd ever seen in his life. Stunning! Amazing! Bravo! Bravo! Seriously? That astounding woman just brought life into this world. And the pregnant one did a bit too. Fair play! With Duncan's public statement of approval, the bar went wild, clapping, cheering and whistling. Luck popped herself up on a fold-back speaker and reached out for her new daughter. Fox reverently laid the baby in her arms. Oh, Fox, look at her. She's beautiful and really sticky. Kev decided it was time to take back control of his pub. Plus, the disconcertingly sweet smell of pickle juice from the amniotic fluid was really starting to kick in. (laughs) Okay, folks, what a finale, eh? How about we give these ladies a bit of space? Let's go, Pazza, grab the mop. No, no, the big mop. Kev hopped off the stage. The audience proudly patted each other on the back to congratulate themselves on successfully doing absolutely nothing. Good job. Thank you. Neville, however, remained behind offering a solitary, teary standing ovation. Amazing! Bravo! Bravo! Amazing! If I'm any judge of these things and I've had a kid myself, you don't want to be here for the afterbirth. Oh, right. Great show, ladies. I'm a big fan. Oh, Thank you. Kev firmly guided a dazed Neville out to the corridor. I will never be the same again. Giovanni, red-faced, finally rushed out of the bathroom. He spotted the tail end of the crowd heading to the front bar and the star-struck Neville gazing into space. As an experienced entertainment professional, Giovanni Gigman recognised an impressed audience member when he saw one. Excuse me, mate. I'm sorry. The show is over and the artists need the space to themselves. What happened? What happened? was pure magic. See you, Nev. Bye, Duncan. Wait, what did you mean, magic? But Neville just waved him away and wandered out the door into the night and his imagination. Giovanni stared after him in bewilderment until he too was interrupted by Duncan's meaty hand on his shoulder. Never seen anything like it, pal. Bloody marvellous. As Duncan turned back to his mates, Giovanni turned to the bar. Bartender? Giovanni Gigman, I need to speak to the manager. 
While Giovanni quickly reworked his entertainment career in his mind, Fox and Lark were still on the stage. Lark tried to wriggle into a more comfortable position, wincing occasionally as another post-birth contraction struck. Here, you hold her. Lark, she's a whole entire person. Deep inside Fox, an ovary went twang. Lark, I want this. I want a baby. Yeah, what? Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Cutest little thing I ever saw. Gosh, my bits are feeling really raw. I can't keep my eyes off you. An ice pack would do. Oh, baby. Feeling like my ovaries might burst. Man, you know this fucking hurts I think I want one too I should have stopped it too approached with a mop and bucket. Uh, need me to call someone? Oh, yeah. Better call my husband. Call Magnus. Magnus spent the next 18 hours waiting on Lark hand and foot while also managing their other children. Despite Magnus's loving attention, Lark's pillow called to her. She slipped an ice pack into the gusset of her knickers and flopped into bed, her boobs rock hard and ready for action. The ever-doting Magnus stood close by, ready for whatever Lark needed. Need a hot water bottle for the tum-tum love lamb? You're a sweetie, Magnus. Magnus was indeed a sweetie. His devotion to Lark was absolute. He would often go above and beyond what was expected or needed. Just pass me, Janie. I'll give her a feed. Oh, come here, Janie, you lovely small person. Uh, Mm, Good. uh, Thanks, Magnus, but I can get her on the boob myself. Magnus reluctantly stepped away from mother and daughter. Lark marvelled yet again at how much suction power the tiny mouth could generate on her nipple. One suck, two suck, three suck, then whoosh! Her right boob went full fire hydrant into Janie's mouth. The feeling of release was immense. Lark had never felt more like a mammal. Suddenly... What are those children doing? Oh, they've probably finished dinner. I'll send them outside. Oi! Markov! Elliot! Go jump on the trampoline! And then, as is so often the case, a simple sound changed everything. Hello, Lark speaking. Hi, Lark. My name's Giovanni Gigman. I was at your gig last night. 
Judging from the audience reaction, it was something pretty special. Oh, thank you. I'm the promoter for a major festival. Lark's heart rate immediately shot up. Who is it? And I'm missing a headline act. I was wondering if you... It was at that moment Janie decided to detach from Lark's boob. Lark's boob, unhappy with the interruption, continued to spray high-pressure milk straight into Janie's face and all over the quilt. pants! Then Janie vomited, copiously, all over Lark's front. Oh, shoot! Sorry, what? Janie arched her back and Lark grabbed for her, but her hands, now slippery with sprayed and regurgitated breast milk, fumbled the phone, which slid straight off the bed. Janie started to whimper. Lark, are you there? Sorry, Giovanni, I just dropped the phone! Oh, you're an amazing mother. Get the phone. Hello, Lark? Lark desperately tried to rearrange Janie onto her other boob to stop the mewling. Magnus, in a grade A example of how he could be helpful without being useful, had picked the phone up off the floor, placed it on the bedside table and was now casually rifling through the dresser for just the right handkerchief to wipe up the spray. Giovanni, just let me, let me uh, transfer you to my uh, manager. Lark desperately tried to convey to Magnus that as she was dealing with his crying offspring and covered from asshole to breakfast with milk, he should pick up the phone, pretend to be their manager and accept the goddamn gig she was being offered. Magnus, take the fire-trucking phone! Startled and delighted by this upgrade to his responsibilities, Magnus carefully picked up the phone. Magnus here? Sparrow folks, manager? Whatever it is, just say yes. Suddenly, Lark's stomach tightened. What had she done? Nervous, she started bouncing Janie. My name's Giovanni. Oh, good, great. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Great. Mm, good. Mm. Oh, of course, yes. Oh, they'll be there. Where? Where will we be? Thank you, Mr. Gigman. Talk soon. Magnus ended the call. He beamed at his damp, vomity and sleep-deprived wife, who was now juggling Janie so fast the baby could basically see through space and time. What did he say? Oh, you, my little love lamb, will be headlining the Strums in the Sun Music Festival Gala. Oh, my God! Clasping the baby to her chest, Lark struggled out of bed and waddled as fast as she could to hug Magnus. Magnus, this is huge! And that's why I'm your manager. Lark pulled away. A shiver ran up her spine that couldn't be explained solely by the melting ice pack in her knickers. You're our manager. I know. Uh, I get a manager! Yay! Whilst maintaining eye contact and holding her genuinely fake smile... Lark slunk out of the room to the only place she knew she could talk without Magnus or the children overhearing. She unlatched the door to the abandoned cubby house. Kinking her neck so as not to hit her head on the low ceiling, Lark moved to the corner of solitude and dialed Fox's number. Hey, babe. I've got good news and a teeny bit of bad news. Okay. We're headlining a major festival gala! Oh, my God! But... Magnus kind of thinks he's our manager. Yeah? That's good news and good news. We've never had a manager before. Yeah, but... I'm your manager. 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 Magnus? How bad could it be? In our next chapter, Magnus embraces his new role as Sparrow Folk's manager. Lock. Now I'm your manager, we really should focus on your, you know, blinky-blonky-blinky-blinky-blink. Magnus, I'm a little concerned you think you are our manager. 
while Fox realises she craves the same work-life struggle that Lark is enduring. Everything's working out. You got us a gig, you got us a festival, you had a baby. I'm having a baby. A what now? Well, I have a date, so it won't be long. Don't miss the next chapter of Sparrow Folk Adventures in Suburbia. Suburbia. Excuse me, but as Sparrow Folk's <clears throat> new manager, I wanted to remind you to rate and review in your podcast app. Thank you so much. Back to managing for me <laughs> and rate and review for you. This episode was brought to you by your wardrobe wingbirds at birdsnest.com.au. What? Did you know you can build a wardrobe you love that's full of styles that you feel great wearing? Bird's Nest is an Australian family-owned business based in Cooma, New South Wales. They offer a huge range of clothing from sizes 8 to 24 and make it super easy to shop with advanced filters and thousands of curated outfits. So visit birdsnest.com.au. I do. I do too. It's not a competition. Birdsnest.com.au Sparrow Folk Adventures in Suburbia was created by Kathy Crowley, Juliet Moody, Paul Bissett and Catherine Prosser based on characters created by Kathy and Juliet. All the roles were performed by Kathy and Juliet, who also wrote the music and lyrics. Paul and Catherine produced the podcast and wrote the scripts with additional material by Kathy and Juliet. Catherine directed and Paul did the audio design and engineering. Sparrowfolk Adventures in Suburbia is a Magenius production in association with Sparrowfolk and was produced on Ngunnawal land in Canberra, Australia. This podcast was supported by funding from the ACT government through Arts ACT. Stay in touch with us on Instagram at Fox and Lark or email us at thenest at sparrowfolk.com. Just remember, Sparrowfolk has a hyphen in the middle. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.